0: The only purpose for his life could be to serve as a warning to others. It's The Drew Marshall
1: Show. guest. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to The Drew Marshall Show. Thanks for tuning in. We just had a a brilliant conversation with one of the world's premier guitar players, Mr. Tommy Emanuel. He'd be a good guest at uh, Saddleback. He would be. Or is it only the Crystal Cathedral that has musical guests? I don't know. (laughs) I don't think I've ever watched the Crystal Cathedral other than to turn it off. In Sacred Privilege, Kay Warren confirms that being a pastor's wife does not mean being perfect. Uh, More vulnerable than ever, Kay Warren reveals the brokenness that resulted from childhood molestation, the allure of pornography, intense marital conflict, and temptation. Jerry, Jerry, Jerry! (laughs) As well as depression and a distorted view of her worth. I think it's a view. View of her worth. Losing a child to suicide could easily have been the catalyst for leaving ministry, but Kay's resilient faith and confidence in God's redemptive plan for her life has kept her feet firmly planted. The road has not been easy, but she has learned much along the way and can now confidently say that being a pastor's wife is truly a sacred privilege. And she joins us right now all the way from... Are you in California right now, Kay Warren?
0: Um, I, yeah, that's what my GPS says,
1: so it must be... That's what your GPS Just look like out the window. <laughs>
0: mm. I, yeah, I do believe that's where I am.
1: I do believe. How the heck are you?
0: Um, well you like honest, so I'll be honest. Uh, mother's day is a hard holiday for, um, those of us who've lost children. So I, am um, I have the, I call it wonderful, terrible, I guess is the best. Cause I am the most blessed person on the planet. I have two children who are married to amazing people and they have five of the best grandchildren in the world. And I have you know, a husband that I adore and ministry. there's so much that is good in my life. Yeah. And there's this terrible hole where um, where my son Matthew, you know, where he is, uh, where he fits in my heart. And so, and nothing or anybody can, can take that place or, or make that sorrow any less. So, in all honesty, I, I'm wonderful, terrible.
1: So, on Mother's Day, do people come up to you and go, hey, happy Mother"? Oh, I mean... Um, you know, and then they get all awkward with the conversation with you because they know what you've gone through having lost a son to suicide Yeah,
0: it's kind of a mix. There are people who um, just do the automatic, you know It's the great happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day all that And then there are a few that kind of realize that oh that comes tinged with some um, some awkwardness and they pull back but I, I really have a lot of people who are incredibly sensitive and give me a hug and just whisper stuff like I know this is a hard day for you and you are in my thoughts and my prayers and you know that makes it that kind of makes up for the folks who don't mean to be um you know they forget sure and it's okay it's okay I understand
1: what about the people that are ultra sympathetic to the point where you want to slap them you know they come up and they grab your your hand and then they grab your forearm they do the double grip and they look they lean in they get deep into your eyes and they go how are you no no, really how you know how are you
0: clearly you've experienced this a few times in your life um you know i just try to give grace to people they're trying (laughs) they're they're trying nobody's you know everybody's trying to be kind they're they're not out to get me they're not um they have genuine concern i've learned how to put some boundaries around that how to very gently peel off the clutching fingers you know off my arm
1: um (laughs) wait hold on are we talking about your husband now i don't understand uh, uh, what's happening stop it
0: incorrigible
1: you said you you said earlier you adored your husband and i want to i want to call you on that yeah Yeah. i do adore him but he can't be mr shiny happy positive rock star guy, Mr. Purpose Driven husband all the time. Don't you want to pound him as well? Just give him a shot in the nose?
0: Of course. Adoring people doesn't mean you don't get angry with them, or that they don't drive you crazy, or that you don't want to sometimes just, you know, kick them really hard under the table when they've said something incorrigible, as I'm sure your family does to you. Stop it.
1: Yeah, I adore you, Drew. Uh, Shut (laughs) up. Okay, you guys are not a lot of
0: You can adore people, and um, there he's he's a real person. Yeah. We had a big argument last night. I hope that makes you happy.
1: Oh it does make tell me about it. I yeah. wanna know. Tell us jerk, everything. No,
0: I will not tell you about it. But <sighs> I can just say we're both really tired and, you know, the the got a little annoyed with each other and had to do some conversation this morning of, you know, I'm really sorry for the jerk I was last night and um yeah, me too. I'm I was a jerk too and I love you and okay, let's keep going. So
1: um, okay, are you sure? Sh- are you sure you want to go to the places you went in your book with me on the show right now? Because
0: y- well, I'm going to trust that you're going to use somewhat of a filter,
1: dude. <laughs> you're listening to the Drew Marshall show. On the- I
0: understand that, and we okay. can talk about it all. I wouldn't have put it in the book if I wasn't ready to talk about
1: it. Okay, you're going to adore Drew by the end of this be interview. A junior high boy. <laughs> well, hold on. There is no yeah. Um, okay. The thing that stands out for me is this whole struggle with the allure pornography, because in my mind, women aren't really into porn, unless they're millennials, and that's just the world they live in, and even then, women are less into porn than men by billions, and women that are over 30, which I think you are, is that right, Kay? A tad. Okay. <laughs> uh, really aren't, aren't, and so what, I don't, how did that become a reality in your world?
0: Because I was molested when I was really young, and um, the, all the experts will tell you that whatever a child's, you know, first exposure—if they're exposed early to um, either explicit pictures, or they watch adults in their lives participate, you know, intimately in front of them, or if they are, uh, if they're abused, if they're exposed to pornography—all those things shape a child's view of sexuality and their view of themselves, and. So, and then you combine that with, um, so you combine an experience with the particular home that you grow, grow up in, like what's their attitude towards sex, what's the conversation around sexuality, and then you have your own personality. You put all those three together, and um, that's how we all can respond to the same experiences and come out differently. So, hmm. for me, I had, you know, I was um, molested by the child of our church janitor when I was about five. And, but the home I grew up in, um, I say this in the book, my mother couldn't even say the word sex. It came out like s- mm, sp- yeah, sex, Yeah. it had about 15 S's in front of it. And my, my education about the birds and the bees, <clears throat> pardon was literally with a child's encyclopedia that had pictures of flowers and bees hovering near them and, um, My parents tried to explain sex to me through that little children's golden book of knowledge. So a very mm, repressed and not comfortable conversations about sexuality. So if you put my experience, but I couldn't talk about it at home. In fact, I pretty much just forgot about it until I was about 19. But it colored, it was still there affecting me, affecting my view of myself, of sex. And so when I saw pornography at... um, the neighbor's house where I was babysitting when I was 12 or 13, I knew I shouldn't look at it. I was, uh, I loved Jesus and I wanted to be a good girl. And, um, but, but I had never seen it before and it completely fascinated me. But then I was horrified, you know, started that cycle of, of uh, guilt, yep. you know, guilt. But, but, oh, that, but the attraction, but, oh, this is forbidden and this is, but this keys in with, my confusion about sexuality and and um, so, you know, I the next time I babysat, there it was again. But you have to understand, I lived in a time, we're talking 40 plus years ago, pornography was not easily accessible like it is today. So for me to say that I was fascinated by it as a teenager is not the same as a 13-year-old today mm-hmm. who has 24-7 access to pornography on every device known to man. Mm-hmm. So it was sporadic it was occasional. But even though I would say I'm not doing that again, I'm not looking at that. I, I love Jesus. I'm a good girl. I, that is not me. Um, <clears throat> sorry, i got this big frog in my throat. Um, I just, it when it presented itself on those rare occasions, I found myself um, looking at it again. And as I've, you know, I mean, I, I went to counseling when I was 40 years old because to a Christian sex uh, therapist, the best couple in the world, Dr. Cliff and Joyce Pinner. Mm. And it was because it had it had all been broken and messed up and confused and chaotic for my whole life. And um, as I've learned, you know, it's when children are exposed early to abuse, or like I said, um, explicit pictures or watching other people, it messes with your sexuality.
1: Well, did all of that play a role in, in the whole... Role of being a wife, let alone the, being a pastor's wife. And we all know that pastors and their wives uh, aren't allowed to have any problems ever. Uh, so, did all of your dirty past play a role in this new role that you have as Mr. and Mrs. Purpose Driven Life?
0: Um, I think it had more influence over in our marriage than it did in my role because, um, you know, just. We Like I said, I grew up with such a sexually repressed family and then had had an experience and had a couple other, you know, minor other experiences besides that that were um, pretty traumatic, though, to me. Um, You know, it just it affected our intimacy and our relationship. But I didn't really know why I could I couldn't I didn't correlate what had happened to me with why we were experiencing difficulty in in our physical relationship. And then there was the shame. I wasn't going to tell anybody that. Are you kidding me? (laughs) I'm not talking about that to anybody else, let alone anybody in the church. So I suppose it did kind of, it, it reinforced that secrecy and that idea. It did kind of fit in then with that. Well, I can't tell anybody about that. I sure can't tell. Um, the pastor where we're the youth pastor and wife, I, I can't talk to the senior pastor about this. So we just lived in misery. Um, the other parts of our marriage, you know, were developing. We loved each other. We cared about each other. We um, started the church. But there was this part that was that such a, a crucial part. Our physical relationship was just messed up. And I was 40. Like I said, when when I finally um, Rick just I remember the day he looked at me, and said, honey, I am going to go to counseling about this, whether you do or not, because this is breaking my heart for you and for me, and I have to have some help. I've got to. I've got to figure. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to how to help in our marriage um, when you clearly are experiencing such suffering and brokenness. Mm. So I'm going, whether you do or not.
1: Wow, wow. Okay, uh, there's 36 topics we need to chat about in uh, 17 minutes in total here, so I've got to I've got to move on. Uh, Kay Warren on the uh, on the line with us. She is. Can
0: I just back up on the because I'm leaving people at the? Um, how did I get from there to where I am?
1: Yes, please.
0: Okay, so um, that for me was a, a process of um, confronting. Um, what had happened to me? Looking at it, being willing to talk about it, talking to uh, this amazing um, Christian sex therapist who helped me look at myself, helped me reprogram my thoughts and my mind, so that I can tell you today that pornography is not—that um, is not a fight I fight on a on a daily basis. I have I have learned. What my what my limits are, what my triggers are. There are some there are books I don't read, there are movies I don't see, there are TV shows I'll turn because I know for me that they're not it's not healthy. Yeah. So um, I would I would just say it's not that I don't want to leave people thinking that somehow just something magical happened and I woke up one day and no longer was that a problem in my life because right. that's not the way it works. Nope. Um, and for other people, I would really recommend celebrate recovery because it is an incredible incredible um program to help uh people with their hurts habits and hang ups So there's hope.
1: Did you really want to come in uh, with that to let people know the journey that you took towards quote unquote freedom? Or was it also important for you to not leave people with the thoughts that, oh, Kay Warren struggles with pornography even today? Because, and the reason, I'm getting to kind of a weird question on all this, and that comes down to one of the loneliest positions in the world to be in if you are struggling with anything is a pastor and a pastor's wife. Because... You can't be a spiritual leader of a church and have ongoing struggles. Everything has to be, I used to, I used to have this problem. It's in my mm-hmm. past.
0: Mm-hmm. That's a really good question. And um, I, I think my intent was not, yeah, my intent was, was probably twofold. I, I do want people to know that, they're, that you can grow, that you can recover from things that take you down. Um, I can talk about other areas of my life that are that are current struggles that I don't have mastered um, and I do. Um, I talk about um, being judgmental is, is really something that, that I struggle with and that may sound small compared to pornography, but for me being judgmental is a much greater thing to overcome yep. than pornography was yep. because I pornography I saw occasionally and, and then my thoughts would go there, but being judgmental, I mean, the opportunity to be judgmental comes up oh, you know, only a couple thousand times a day. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so that's the place, you know, where I feel like I'm struggling now and continuing to struggle. And, um, and I, I live with depression. I've lived with low levels of depression and it hasn't changed. Hmm. From the time I was a little girl, and I'm 63, I still live with depression. Um, so, yeah, there's stuff that, that is current, there's stuff in the past, but I also do want other people to find the freedom um, that really is out there, and um, you're, we're not we're not consigned to live with um, our struggles to the point that we can't function.
1: Yeah. Okay, uh, by the way, the, the main reason to get this book, Sacred Privilege, Your Life and Ministry as a Pastor's Wife, is not if you're a pastor's wife. And it's not, um, I would say, sorry, this is just me putting my stuff on your book. So I'm, this is why you don't hire me for publicity. Um, it's because of the platform that people put you on, the pedestal that people put you on. We all need to see someone like you be real, more than a real person be real. Because you're not real. You're K. freaking Warren. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's really, it's really important for you to barf. In this book, and you've done it. Thank you. Thank you for barfing. I think is what I just well, said. Well, you know,
0: but but part of that is because that's the only way I can stay sane. Yeah. I can't live with secrets. I I I suck at secrets. It it ruins my life whenever I've got a secret. I've lived with secrets. I don't like them. I don't want them. I don't want other people to have to live with them. And I sure don't want people to think um that that our lives are all together because they're not and um so that was kind of the point was to say look we all have stuff um whether you're a pastor whether you're a politician whether you're a celebrity whoever you are you're you know you're a grocery store clerk whoever you are we've all got stuff and um it's so much better to live in freedom i, I was telling somebody this week i would rather live with the awkwardness of freedom and honesty than the awkwardness of secrecy.
1: On the line with Kay Warren, Kay, just in regards to children and church and Mother's Day and you being a pastor's wife, by the way, does that title irk you, pastor's wife?
0: Probably not, because I'm from, you know, an older generation, and that was what, it was actually an honored title. It wasn't, um, wasn't seen as a slight or a, um, Um, you know, you're less than. It was actually a a title of honor when I was growing up. And so, no, it doesn't bug me.
1: Okay. All right. Just trying to see why it would. (laughs) Um, (laughs) As a pastor's wife, um, do you ever go up to mothers in church? Who bring their kids in church, and their kid needs about a half a bottle of Ridlin just to settle down, and they're not getting the the hint and the clue, and or and do you ever go up to them and go, can can I can I help you with your child, and then give them a roll of duct tape or something, or ah. uh, have you ever? Or we just talked the other day about uh, this. There's a big viral video out there of this lady who who was asked to leave the service of a church because she was breastfeeding, but it wasn't because she was breastfeeding. She was breastfeeding without any cover, and and those were. Was just right out there, and and then there was the kid, and 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 they and finally the pastor's wife sort of came up and said, you know, we don't want the other men to stumble. So, have you ever had these kind of weird uh, maternal pastors wifey conversations with mothers uh, uh, in in awkward situations?
0: What's the guy who's sitting in the studio with you? What's the other guy's name?
1: Tim the Tool. Yeah, baby. Hey
0: Tim. Yes. Would ma- you ask me a question? Oh, what? <laughs>
1: What? <laughs> What's wrong with that question?
0: It's a stupid question.
1: <laughs> how Next. do you re- How do you really feel? okay? Just share it that with is, us how you really feel?
0: That is a stupid. I have never been asked a more stupid question. <laughs> you win.
1: <laughs> right, my life is complete. There we go. Nice. No, I just you know as a guy, listen, there are there are mothers that go into churches. And they continue to mother the same way they would mother at home. But is there not different kind of social Drew, boundaries? Drew, and th- No. Drew, what? Drew,
0: Drew. Screaming There's kids so in church. we could be talking about. And you're we wasting our time talking about nonsense.
1: <laughs> all right. Fine.
0: Pick a better question. <laughs>
1: when it comes to being supportive of your husband, the, the guy who is on for everybody all the time, what is the secret to that? is the and and where do boundaries fit into that because as a, as a guy who has to be on all the time, Mr. purpose-driven dude, um it, that's nice, but it also you got to recognize might feed his ego and it's stealing from family time and how do you develop boundaries without being a non-supportive jerk? I mean, how do you do it? Okay. That's um, what I'm sorry, that's what your book is about. So let's talk about that.
0: But there's some other things in there too. Okay. Um,
1: <laughs> Wait. Do you just want to tell me the questions I should ask? Okay.
0: Now it would work much better if you would just. <laughs> this is what I want to say. <laughs> this is what I want to say to um, to the people, maybe pastors and pastors' wives, or people in ministry that are listening. I'm not sure if any of them actually listen to no. your show, but if they do, this is what I would tell them. Yes. Is that um, you to last? You really have to learn how to take care of yourself because nobody's going to do it for you. Um, And you can't expect the church to take care of you. You can't expect your spouse to take care of you. You can't expect anybody else to take care of you. But if you want to last in life and in ministry, you've got to figure out how to take care of yourself spiritually and emotionally and physically. Because we only get this one chance at life. We only get this one chance to live. We only get this one chance to you know, serve God in this lifetime. And that's what I want to do. That's what I'm, I'm here for. So I want to make sure I can last. And so if I want to grow spiritually, nobody else can be surrendered to God but me. Rick can't make me be surrendered to God. He can't, you know, make me say yes to God. So that's something I have to do. And if I want to grow um, and have the resilience to last through all the hard stuff that life throws at me, I've got to have a, a spiritual walk with God that can, that can handle the suicide of my son hmm. that can handle the challenges of when I was attracted to another man. Now, there's a topic if you want to go to. And um, and the fact that not everybody thinks I'm great, you know, that's hard. So you have to have some resilience. I decided that emotionally I'm the only one that's responsible for, there's been a lot of wounds in my life, some things that have taken me to the ground. And I'm the only one that can emotionally do the work to be a healthy person. And physically, I just got this one body and I can control a lot of things about it if I want to. So nobody else gets to tell me how much I weigh or how much I sleep or how much I, I exercise or I move or I enjoy the beauty of the earth. But all of those things together are what make me resilient to last through life. So that's, you need that for ministry. You need it just to get through daily life. If you're a radio host, um, you got to be resilient. And that's the only way I know to go about it.
1: Okay, I, I.
0: think My questions are better than yours.
1: <laughs> um, can I? just... Okay, there's a couple things happening in my brain right now, which is rare because it's just one thing at a time. Um, I I know you're busy, and I know that you you don't you only wanted to be on my show once in a while because that's it's hard to take, right? But I can't, I, there's so much more to talk about and we're out of time. And I, and, and here's, what's, here's what's coming up next. Royce and Carrie Young, um, imagine being told that your baby would be born without a brain and then imagine deciding your baby girl would continue to live and be born only to die shortly after coming into this world so that other babies could live. So Royce and Carrie shared their heart-wrenching journey on Facebook and all of a sudden it seemed like every major news outlet in the world began talking about one of the most inspirational Mother's Day stories ever. And they've they've got a um a, a time limit on their on their uh, the availability. But Kay, I honestly, you're ju- you know how I feel about you. I just love your vulnerability. It's so stinking rare. So I'm going to guilt you. Not guilt you. I'm going to ask manipulate. What's the right word? I'm going to ask you on air right now if we can do a part two of this conversation because there's way more. There's way more.
0: Yes, I would be glad to.
1: Really. She must adore you. Wow! Yeah, there's. The- <laughs> I do
0: like you, Drew. I do. You I'll kick him for you. The pesky little brother that just <laughs> tries to torment the bigger sister. So.
1: Yes, that's what I was going for. <laughs> I I
0: get that, and I I, I get that, and I like that, so we're good.
1: Okay, Kay, I will be in touch with your people uh, to see if we can follow up with part two, maybe even, well, I would love it to be next Saturday, but I don't know if you'll have that time, so if you do, that's what we're going to shoot for, okay?
0: It won't be next Saturday, because next Saturday I am participating in a 16-mile walk for um, suicide prevention, so it won't be next Saturday, but soon.
1: Okay, Kay Warren, co-founder of Saddleback Church, wife of best-selling, uh, purpose-driven life guy, buddy, what's-his-name, mother of a uh, son with uh, struggled with mental illness who took his own life. I mean, that's a heck of a story to have, and of course, author of this book where she just bears so much of her soul to everyone for the sake of others' healing. Author of this book, Sacred Privilege, Your Life and Ministry as a Pastor's Wife. You've got to get this book. And I don't give a holy grunt if you're a pastor's wife or not. This is a good book if you like to get below the surface. Kay, thank you so much.
0: Would you please give your next guests, I don't know if they're going to be in person or on, on a, you know, radio, I mean, um, telephone or whatever, yep, yep. but would you give them my best?
1: I certainly I tell will. Them
0: that, um, I'm, I'm giving them a hug.
1: Beautiful. Thank you, Kay. I, I, I actually like you.
0: We'll talk again soon.
1: Okay. Bye. Bye bye. Kate Warren on The Drew Marshall Show. That was fun. What a crazy lady. Totally schooled me. (laughs) It was awesome. All right. Short break. And when we come back, you know where we're going. Stay with us.